1 Timothy chapter 4. Our little series. It's also to shake you up a little bit. In case I put you to sleep with that prayer. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Someone will pass it out. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Third time through, we should be able to memorize it pretty soon, right? Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning as well. I'd like to read that. A very familiar chapter in the Bible. I'm going to start in verse 4 this morning. It says this, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known, and now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. All right, you may be seated this morning. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being an example in our speech, in our words, in our conversations, and we realized the power of the spoken word. Last week, we talked about our conduct being a pattern or a model or an example in how we behave in our conduct and our holiness. You might remember we said we desire to walk in the Spirit, that we might not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This week, next on the list, according to our verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, is love. And many of you know the word love is agape. We've all heard, maybe not everyone, but many of us, that the Greek language is much different than the English language. And so to translate things is very difficult, and sometimes one word can't grasp the same word in another language. 
And the same so is Greek to English. And you know that there are three or four different kind of words for the word love in the Greek language. But here, the word used is agape, or unconditional love, God's love. Some other words that you might know are philos, which is brotherly love, which is the city of love, or eros, which is romantic love. But what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 is agape. What you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is agape. And think about that. How do you define love? Obviously, when we hear love, as I said, in our language, there's one word. We think of romance. We think of movies. I don't know. You think of weddings. You think of all of these things. But this goes much, much deeper. And as we read 1 Corinthians 13, we see this definition that God's love suffers long. It's long-suffering. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not selfish, right? That's God's love. It's not rude. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. When you hear something of someone, you're not like, well, they deserved it. That's not love. Love always hopes. It bears all things. And these at the end, so difficult, it believes when it's dark. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It never fails. That's agape. And lived, he esteemed others better than himself. What a crazy thought that God himself esteemed us. And he's perfect. And that's what God did. And sometimes... It's hard to wrap our mind around that thought, the thought of Christ's mind, the thought of Christ's love, that he's not up there angry, but he's hoping and believing, and he's patient, and he's enduring. It's absolutely amazing. What's even more amazing, in Ephesians chapter 5, we're called to be imitators of God as dear children, And it says this, to walk in love as Christ has loved us. Now to wrap your mind around God's love is absolutely very difficult. How can he love us as sinners? But then the word of God says we need to be like him and Daniel is kind. Daniel isn't rude. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Very difficult. Goes on to say that we are to love as Christ loved, but we're to give ourselves as he gave himself, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's what we're called to do. Your life is called to be an aroma, and I hope it smells good. I used to teach my Bible classes, do you have a stinky heart? You know, it's a new thing, you know, um, these essential oils, right? So you make your room smell so nice. And it wasn't like that. You just used to light a candle, right? That used to be what you did in the old days. But you're trying to change the tone of a room by the scent that you produce. But the reality is your life produces a scent. When you walk in a room, you're either going to change it 
and make it pleasurable to do that as you love as God loves, you set forth a scent or an aroma as you're patient, as you're kind, as you endure, as you hope all things and bear all things. If you're not rude, that's what happens. You change the fragrance of a situation. I find it a little bit funny how we think of love as, what should I say, rainbows and lollipops, and here love is associated with sacrifice and pain and suffering. Love is this feeling that we're chasing. How many, how many people really want love <laughs> the way God describes it? We love love. We love the emotion of love. But we're called to walk in sacrifice as Jesus sacrificed for us. As you look at the context of what Paul's saying to Timothy within the book, just before he tells him, in the whole book, we hear in chapter 1, fight the good fight. You know, do the right thing. We hear that there's people out of control, there's false prophets that you have to deal with. So we put that all together and we understand the context of the book is Timothy is dealing with people who dislike him. Timothy is dealing with people who despise him. Timothy is dealing with people who are causing problems. Timothy is dealing with people who are a pain in the neck. It's not like loving people who are easy to love. In the context of this book, Paul is telling Timothy, you need to walk in love, meaning there are some very difficult, hurtful situations here, but you're called to be different. Jesus even said in Luke chapter 6, what credit is it to you to love those who love you back? <laughs> oh, that's great, right? I, yeah. What about when people hurt you? What about people when they don't care about you? What about people when they despise you? What about people where you need patience? You need long-suffering? That's what Jesus is talking about. That's agape love. And here Timothy, in the midst of a very difficult situation that is calling, causing him to fear and to be timid, it is difficult. He's even shrinking back from the fact that these people have hurt him and he's become fearful. And Paul is saying, love them. Let your life be that, that people look at your walk, your lifestyle, and they say, that person has an aroma of Christ and he is a lover and not a hater. Woo! <laughs> Listen. When I read that, you know what I say? I think I, I just wrote down, this is hard stuff. I am feeling very convicted. <laughs> uh, maybe you all, it's a little easier for you. I don't know. Or maybe you're just quiet this morning. This is very difficult. How do we truly agape those who have hurt us? How do we agape those who despise us? How do we have this lifestyle? And there is love. I wrote this down. There is no way you can live agape until you experience agape. There is no way you can truly love until you know you are loved. It is an impossible feat 
You cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot love when it is hard until someone's loved you when you were hard. Paul is constantly praying for the church in the New Testament that it would experience the love of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, he has a great pastoral prayer where he tells them of Christ. And the word is agape. I pray that you would know agape that Christ has for you more and more and more. I talk to people sometimes and they say, I know God loves me. I want to let you know it's a journey and you never come to the end. There is no statement that I know completely the love of Christ. You cannot say that. You can say, I'm learning more of the love of Christ. But Paul makes it clear that we're continually on this journey and only when we reach eternity, when we see him face to face, will we truly know the completion of his love. And so this morning, you and I are on a journey and we are walking to know him and his love. And as we know him, it is so crucial. I'm finding out as I get older to spend time in the presence of Christ and others who know Christ that you and I will be reminded of who Christ is. It is so easy in our culture and our society to get so busy and distracted and for our minds to move so quick that we miss the things that will change us for eternity. In His presence, we are changed. I heard a quote this week in a sermon that many people become what the most important people in their life want them to be. So the speaker was speaking of young people and deciding what they were going to do in life. He's saying, quoted this from John Maxwell, saying like, statistics bear out that all, a lot of young people will have very important thought to them to have a great influence. And I thought, as Christ becomes the most important person to me, I want to be what He wants me to be. Jesus desires to be with us, to refresh us, to remind us, to renew us in His love. He desires to shine through us. And as you spend time with Him in His presence, you are changed. It almost seems that your thoughts can become His thoughts. But so often, we forego the pleasure of being in His presence for the good of running around in this world. Oftentimes, the good things take the place of the best things. You will become like Him. He will rub the hope on you. He who is in you will start to dominate you. The Holy Spirit will become a greater controlling factor in your life as you listen and obey Him. Isn't it interesting 
In Galatians 5, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is... Okay, you finished. The fruit of the Spirit is... Love. The fruit of the Spirit is agape. Exactly what we read. When I am with Christ, Christ in me, and Christ shines through me, as I dedicate to Him my mind, and I turn my thoughts to make them His thoughts by knowing what He says and who He is, I start to flow. That's why the Bible would tell us to abide in Him, and as I abide in Him, I produce fruit, and that fruit is agape, that fruit is love. And some of us this morning are saying, where's the agape in my life? I believe in Jesus, and I would say, are you sitting and knowing who He is? Are you in His presence? Are you receiving His love? The mind rolls. How do I fix this? How do I do this? I got it. And whoa. Over and over this year, the Lord is reminding me, don't strive. Every time I feel in myself I'm striving to accomplish, God says, it's time to rest. Rest in His love, and then His fruit, His agape, in many flavors, flows out. Because as you look at the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, I encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and how they match together. See, it's agape in different flavors. Patience, long-suffering, kind. Didn't we read all of that? That is the fruit of agape. And you and I. The reality is sometimes we feel really broken. That I can't do this. That life is difficult in myself I try and try and it seems I feel more broken but I want to encourage you in scripture as you are broken of yourself the Lord fills you he fills you because it's a death to what I can do and it opens the door for what he can do I saw a great example in the Old Testament some of you might know the character of Jonathan in the book of 1 Samuel, he was the son of Saul. He was destined to be king. You know that story, right? And if you don't, Saul was the first king of Israel. He had three sons. One's name was Jonathan. But then he met a friend. His name was David. And David was an extremely powerful person. God's anointing was on him. And here is Jonathan. Jonathan was supposed to be king. Remember that? He was supposed to be king. He was the son to take the throne. It was entitled to him. It was his position. By Samuel to be the king. And here's Jonathan. What is Jonathan going to do? And Jonathan develops this amazing friendship. And it even says the relationship between Jonathan and David was full of love. And scripture even says a love that goes deeper than man has for woman. And I just want to tell you, that only means it's deeper than eros and it's going on agape territory. Nothing sexual or weird about it. It's deeper because it's unconditional. It's deeper because it's long-suffering. It's deeper because it's kind. It's deeper because Jonathan and David esteemed each other better. And when Jonathan comes to the point where he knows David is the one to be king, he gives of himself to say, you take the throne. 
I esteem you and what God is doing, and he sees what God is doing, and he says, I will purposely limit myself and what I have an earthly ability to do to say, no, it's not for me, I love you, and I am going to be a footstool for you to get better and to grow. And the reason I tell you this story is we are called to be Jonathan in our relationship with others. I don't use people to elevate myself. Well, sometimes I do. But I don't want to use people to elevate myself. And the world says, I got to get ahead and I'm going to step on you and I'm going to step on you and I'm going to step on you. Or in marriage, I'm going to gratify myself by being the one that I want to be the one who gets the attention. And God says, that's not the way it is. You need to agape. And what that means is simply, I'm going to elevate you and your desires and your purpose above my own. I am truly going to agape you. And when we do that, when we do that, I want to tell you, the world knows. When there's love like that, in friendship, in families, in the body of Christ, Jesus said, the world will know you by your agape. But the problem is sometimes within the church and our families, the world sees the world but the world doesn't see Christ. The world sees themselves, but we are called to be different, and as we're with Christ, we can be different. Jonathan's life was a sweet-smelling aroma. Can I ask you this morning, can I ask myself, what is my scent? What is my cologne? Oftentimes we know people by the way they smell, right? Again, they walk in a room, ah, Chanel, number nine. <laughs> Movie, I don't know which one. Or a love potion. No. We want the scent of Christ to flow through us in our sacrifice. I just wanted to encourage you this morning, though, as we conclude... I look at Timothy, he's in a difficult situation. Paul's calling him to the impossible in his own strength, but with the Holy Spirit possible. How did Timothy do? What was Timothy like? Did it sink in? Was he living the life? Was he failing? Was he succeeding? We don't really know, right? Yesterday, I read the book of Philippians to my wife. This morning, she read it to me. And I was struck by a part if you know the book, it's about rejoicing and having joy. But it's so interesting because Paul is talking about the mind of Christ in chapter 2 and this humility. He talks about different examples. And as he continues in chapter 2, who are truly examples beyond Jesus. People who are truly known by their love by their actions. And I want to read you a little section. It says, I trust in verse 19 of chapter 2 in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Will you please listen to this next verse with me? 
For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him to you at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself may come shortly. I find this really was walking, really encouraging. Timothy was walking in love. Timothy had a proven character of what Paul was talking about as he was the leader in Ephesus, that he was doing it, he was succeeding, he was an example, and people knew it of agape. And what I want to tell you this morning is though you may have ups and downs, keep going. I don't want someone to say, myself included, oh, I fall so short. I'm a failure. I can't love like that. No. Practice makes perfect. I thought of walk. When you have a little one walk, what do they do? They stumble. They fall. They get up. They stumble. They fall. They bang their head. They get up. When I want to do it again. And look, here's dad. Come on. They stumble and they fall. But we say, get up. Get going. And this morning I want to say, keep walking. Even if you've stumbled and fall, get up. You're doing it. The power of the Holy Spirit and there are going to be days where you will fall. I'm telling you now, you will fall. But keep going. Keep practicing. Keep loving. You know what you're called to. It's to imitate God. And there are days where it is difficult. And there's days that you feel like a failure. But in those moments, you see the love of Christ. The moments of your failure, you see the love of Christ. When you haven't loved and you stumbled, His love shines on you and says, I forgive you. I hope for you. I bear these things for you. I've endured them. Get up and let's go. So when I fail, I see His love and His love gets me up and gets me going. You are and you're going to fall, but get up and keep going because you can do it. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you and you will fall, but He, through His forgiveness and His love, can get you up and get you going and you can have that proven character again and again and again. I started thinking there's so many examples in our body in our body, our little body of people who are walking in agape. You don't have the pleasure of seeing it. I see you. I hear the stories. I know the people who are sacrificing in prayer. I know the people who are sacrificing their own pleasure to help their families, to help others. I know there are people who are saying, I'm not going to do what I want because I'm called to something more, to agape, this body to agape my family and I am so encouraged and my word to you today is keep going and you're going to have days you're going to want to like I'm just, I'm but think of Jesus 
He is with you. He agapes you. Let it empower you to get up and keep going. Isn't God so good? Because there's going to be people who despise you and hurt you, and there's going to be people, you know what? That's just really hard. But with the power of Christ within us, we can be different. Amen? May the fruit of the Spirit flow through us for the glory of God. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Know the aroma of Christ. That we would know the sacrifice of Christ, the love of Christ. And in this moment, we don't want to think of ourselves. Would you just think of Jesus and how much He loves you? And you might say this morning, I don't feel that love. It doesn't matter what you feel, you have the truth. The question is, do you believe what God says? Feelings will follow. This morning, maybe you've never truly received the love of Christ. And you're living an angry life because you have failed. God loves you so much. He died for you while yet you were truly be peaceful and content until you receive that love. He's calling out to you this morning. He's saying, I died for you. I rose again. I humbled myself to the point of death because I love you. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to stumble and fall and be on your own and stay down. The grace of God has appeared to all men and all women through Jesus Christ. For those of us who are believers, would you just dwell on that, abide in that truth? And celebrate communion, which is the greatest picture of the love of Christ for you. This week, as I was driving past the Perth Hospital, there's the monument, to deny the one who gives it, Jesus Christ. Written in the verse, you can walk by it, right by the sidewalk. There is no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for a friend. In our town, in front of our hospital, the Word of God, the truth of God, and may it penetrate our hearts this morning. Truly, there is no greater agape than one who laid down his life for you and for me. You are forgiven. Would you receive that and live in that love today? The elements are in the back the body, the blood. We're remembering the amazing love of Jesus. The elements and bring them back to your seat.
I just encourage you to think on Jesus, to be in His presence, to be reminded, to be changed by Him. Let's worship together.